As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Remember when UK Prime Minister Theresa May said this? Brexit means Brexit, and we're going to make a success of it. But apparently there are more questions than answers about what Brexit actually means and how to trigger it. On December 5th, 11 judges will hear the case over whether May can trigger an exit from the EU without a vote of parliament. One of those judges, Brenda Hale, gave a speech to law students in Malaysia last week and said the UK may need comprehensive legislation to start the process of leaving the EU, possibly delaying Brexit for years. She was immediately criticized by pro-Brexit lawmaker Douglas Carswell for having made up her mind before the trial, but the Supreme Court said Hale was simply presenting arguments on both sides of the appeal and didn't give any views on the outcome of the case. Our guest is Stephen Pears, a professor at the University of Essex School of Law. Stephen, I take it that Supreme Court justices in the UK are not used to their speeches being publicized as they are here in the U.S., but what do her comments reveal, if anything? Well, I read the whole speech, and she was giving arguments sort of for and against. She was trying to summarize everything that everyone was saying and raise a lot of different possibilities. So I don't think she was saying for sure there had to be comprehensive legislation. But I think if the government tried to get away with anything short of legislation, then it's likely to go back to the courts. So I imagine they'll, what they'll try and do is push through some very short legislation. Stephen, how long do you think the delay is likely to be if the court does say that Parliament has to act? Well, I imagine the government will propose legislation almost immediately and say that it has to be passed almost the same day or the next day the Parliament meets, whenever that is, in December or January. And we'll see if they go along with that. I mean, the main opposition party says it will push things through, but then it has to go to our House of Lords here. And there might be other members of parliament who don't want to push things through and uh, find procedural means to delay it. So it might take a few months if people want to add things to it and debate it at length. I suspect it'll probably be a few days in the end. And Stephen, is there a sentiment that the the people in the UK have changed their mind about Brexit? I mean, there was a lot of controversy the day after when people didn't seem to, you know, were Googling what Brexit means and what the EU is. So is there a sentiment that it's it's not quite what the people want and that Parliament might vote against it? 
Well, when you see opinion polls, there seems to have been a, a slight shift back to the Remain side, and that might be just enough if there were another referendum that went a different, way, a different way. But I don't think there are enough votes in Parliament to hold another referendum again, which is obviously what you'd need. And that maybe a year or two down the road, there'd be more interest in that. But at the, at the moment, it doesn't seem very likely. Well, Stephen, are, are there conditions that Parliament might try to put on the on the legislation that would be problematic for the government? A number of MPs would like to do that, although the main opposition party says it won't, and try, it says that they'll try and influence things later. So there will be a battle, I think, among a few MPs, maybe some members of the House of Lords, to try and set conditions. The government, I think, is going to try a procedural argument that no amendments are allowed uh, to this very short bill. Um, but we'll see if the Speaker of the House of Commons or the House of Lords allow the amendments to be debated and how likely they are to go through. I think the, the place to watch is the House of Lords, which is more independent and where I think there's a little, there's a little bit of a chance of some amendments being put through. The BBC is reporting that the government is preparing legislation so that if the government loses the Supreme Court appeal, this will be ready, and that the bill is just three lines long and tightly drawn, which would, I suppose, make it difficult for lawmakers to amend it? Yes, that's right. I mean, my understanding is that um, the rules are that uh, the screening, first of all, as to whether amendments are allowed, but then it goes to the floor of the House of Commons, and they vote on whether or not to allow the amendments, and the Speaker has a say as well. So there'll be that process of whether to consider the amendments in the first place. And I imagine the government would have enough votes in the House of Commons with the opposition support not to consider amendments. But in the House of Lords, the government doesn't have a majority. The, there are lots of people who aren't affiliated to any party, or a lot of people who don't want Brexit there. So I think, as I said, there's a bit better chance of amendments being considered and maybe even being supported in the House of Lords. Stephen, the government put out a statement on Friday of last week uh, describing uh, what its appeal is likely to look like. Did we learn anything from that? And, and, and regardless, give us a, a sense of what the basic argument the government's going to be making to the U.K. Supreme Court. Well, the government basically was a one-page summary, and there wasn't much there. But basically, the argument that's gone to court is between two conflicting principles of of British constitutional law. So on the one hand, the government has power over foreign affairs, and this is a, an act of denouncing a treaty, so that's foreign affairs. So the executive ought to be able to do that. So that's one principle. The other principle is that the government's power over foreign affairs can't be used to remove rights which Parliament has granted. And in Britain, we're a dualist state. We have um, international law separate from national law. So the rights that come from EU law are set out in an act of Parliament. And so that's where the second argument comes in. It's that the government can't remove these rights in the Act of Parliament by denouncing the treaty, which is linked to the Act of Parliament. And the debate is exactly which of these two rules, which are conflicting, takes priority in this case. Stephen, who has the better side, according to your view of the law? I think it's it's roughly 50-50, uh, to be a little bit evasive. But on the, um, if I had uh, certainly... 
the claimants, the people criticizing the government, I think their argument is stronger from the point of view of the underlying logic of the British Constitution, which is parliamentary supremacy above all. We don't have a constitution that takes priority like America and many other countries. Instead, we have parliamentary sovereignty as the basic rule. And if that's the basic rule, then I think any, if there's any doubt or any ambiguity, you should come down on the side of parliament, not the executive. Well, Stephen, how long can we expect before the court decides how this should happen? Well, they're hearing it a week or so uh, into December, and then some people were assuming it might come out just before Christmas, something like Friday the 23rd even. You can imagine that uh, right before Christmas. And um, I think it may be more likely to be a week or so into January, but uh, really it's anyone's guess. And how long, once this is done, this stage, how long will the actual process take? I mean, are we still looking at years? Well, no. Um, well, the actual process departs a bit. As I say, it might be very quick unless the House of Lords frustrates it. But then the process to leave the EU would be, in principle, two years from the date of giving notice, which might still be March if the government's plans stay on track. But that two years can be shortened or lengthened if there's agreement. So it's hard to be sure in advance if there will be agreement. But I think the most likely scenario is it will, it will be the two years. And so Britain would leave sometime in the spring of 2019. To address our new climate reality, the world needs radical solutions. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment, hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. 